We would like to say a special thank you to Lois and Mike Stengland for sponsoring this week's episode. The tree's worthless. It's done nothing. It's produced nothing. It's literally worthless. It's taking resources and energy and time and space and producing absolutely nothing. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. Lent is filled with texts about repentance and sin, and the language can be sharp. This week's lectionary text is no different, as we hear about God's judgment and how we must repent or perish. Then we hear a parable about a fig tree that hasn't produced fruit and the owner says to cut it down. The supposedly kind gardener steps in and asks to give it another year, as long as he can nurture and take care of it. But, as you'll hear our guest Lars Olsen teach us, this isn't mercy. It's just prolonging its death. What Lars teaches us this week is that the peace of Christ goes through his death to absorb the sin of the world. Let's get to this week's conversation. But first, here's Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. At that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told them this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. And now on to this week's conversation. Welcome back to Scripture First. We have Lars Olson with us this week. Thanks for being here, Lars. It is always a pleasure to be with you three. <laughs> Second time's a charm. <laughs> that wasn't sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> so we are in uh, the 13th chapter of Luke. You said something interesting before we started, Lars, uh, just with the lectionary text and it kind of bouncing around a little bit uh, the, the past couple of weeks. Maybe you can just talk once about that. Yeah, so we're at the beginning of Luke 13 for this uh, podcast. And last week, we were at the end of Luke 13, where um, Herod is uh, looking to kill Jesus and the disciples, and everybody's telling him to stay away from Jerusalem. And and Jesus reminds him that, no, 
he's going to Jerusalem mm-hmm. uh, and Herod can uh, come and find him anytime because that's what he's come to do. Um, but it's not chronological. It's not directly uh, in order in in Luke. And so this week we jump back to the beginning of Luke 13, um, which comes after Luke 12, which is mostly about judgment upon the earth and a lot of uh, talk about God's wrath. And so we're in this section, which you would expect in Lent, where there's a lot of discussion about um, repentance, sin, and judgment. And uh, it's, it's pretty sharp at times. Uh, especially at the end of chapter 12, when Jesus comes and says that he hasn't come to bring peace to the earth, but division. And that is not just division amongst nations, but division amongst families. Yeah, uh, This is how uh, much judgment and division um, is coming upon the earth because Jesus has entered into the world and because he is going to Jerusalem. It's interesting that you say that because, and we don't need to spend a lot of time on this. It's just an observation. A lot of churches are try to unite, you know, like all are welcome or thank you for joining or they try to do that stuff to entice people, bring it in, go in peace, serve the Lord. Well, yes. I mean, absolutely. We are trying to bring peace on earth, but it's not the peace that uh, you would have between, you know, nations or peace that is just kind of accepting of other people's faults and and putting those behind us or something. This is a this is the peace of Christ that comes from his death and resurrection that we're okay. that we are bringing into the world that he is giving to us. So it is a peace, but it's not a worldly peace. It's a it's a peace that goes through his death that absorbs and takes away the sin of the world in order to give back a true peace. A peace that trusts that there is nothing that can take away God's um uh promise from you. Mm-hmm. So our text today, uh, it's short. It's, uh, there's the parable at the, the end, but there's this little section at the beginning. At that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. <laughs> That's what, a great description. <laughs> <laughs> well, what a great way to start. Well, yeah. I mean, first you get Pilate uh, yeah. who starts to show up into the, into the narrative here and into the story of Jesus. Um, that Pilate is the governor, uh, the Roman governor of the area. And uh, apparently he has been having some problems with Galileans and it's unclear exactly what this is. And, and there's not a lot of historical evidence to say exactly what they're talking about, but either the Galileans were making a sacrifice and somehow either Pilate wanted to spoil this and put their blood into it, or he killed them uh, and so ruined this. Uh, but somehow um, this is Pilate's power coming into uh, the Galilean lifestyle and saying um, that's that's a terrible thing. The point of it isn't what was happening with the sacrifices. The point is that Pilate started to kill them and harm them, uh, and their blood is being shed here. And Jesus uses that as an opportunity to to say, "What is it that you're after?" Because uh, they seem to think, as most people fall into thinking, that they suffered because they were sinners, that their sin. Uh, uh, produce this kind of a punishment from Pilate and that that's the reasoning behind this, that there's a cause and effect going on here. So the punishment equals the crime. Yes. Essentially. Punishment fits the, the offense, right? And so if they were so offended, if they were so such great sinners that maybe this would have been uh, uh, something that they deserved, something mm-hmm. that was right to do. And Jesus picks right up on that out of that question, kind of, why are you talking about that? Oh, I see. 
Uh, and he says, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way that they were worse sinners than all the other Galileans? Because mm-hmm. he didn't kill all the Galileans, yeah. just yeah. these, right? Yeah. But we often fall into this way of thinking, right? Why did that happen to you? Mm-hmm. What did you do to deserve such a bad thing? Mm-hmm. And we get this out of so many places in our lives that are cause and effect, right? Um, if you didn't clean up your room, well, you got grounded. Mm-hmm. If you work harder, you'll make more money. If you work harder, you'll make more money. And some of these we know aren't quite true, but they are kind of true in the aggregate, right? In the average, uh, if we look over the whole thing. So hard workers usually make more money, even though we always find somebody who's lazy, who uh, seems to make a ton <laughs> of money. Just, who's just filthy fine. rich. <laughs> just fine, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, that it becomes this, uh, this understanding that whatever we do is what we get. Mm-hmm. That's yep. what Jesus is uh, after, especially uh, according to sin here, right? Mm-hmm. The more sin you have, the more suffering you'll have, the yeah. more punishment you'll have. So the big, bigger sinners are being punished more. Yeah, he's he's pretty uh, straight up here. Uh, he just says, no, I tell you. Uh, no, he says uh, to this sort of rhetorical question, are these worse sinners than you? No, they're not. <laughs> right. No, you've got the wrong idea here. Straightforward, yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. yeah. And then he continues, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. And there's two words in there that we need to make sure we, we talk about. One is repent and one is perish. And so uh, when we mean repent, um, we don't just mean kind of, you know, take a different turn. Um, uh, the word repent is about turning around your entire lifestyle. That is your, your thinking, your feeling, your, uh, um, your doing, all of it together. And that's um, something we uh, often think we can do ourselves, right? If right. we just... If we just train ourselves up the right way, if we just uh, make the right decisions, if we just do everything as we're told that it'll go well for us. Um, but that, that's, that's not entirely true, mm-hmm. um, uh, but that's what people oftentimes think, right? How would these Galileans have repented? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, would they have like bowed down to, uh, to Pilate and said, we're sorry, we're sorry, and then he wouldn't have killed him? Yeah. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. But Jesus' point is that repentance is going to be more than just doing the right thing, uh, freeing yourself of your own sin, Mm -hmm. right? So then uh, this uh, word perish, you said this is another word that we have to uh, come to terms with, we have to understand. So perish, of course, you know, we associate with death, which is with which is right. It means to be uh, ruined, uh, destroyed. It means to be uh, evaporated from uh, from all things. Um, but what is it to die? What is what does death really consist of? And we've been through this in Lent, uh, even as Jesus is, you know, not eating bread for forty days, and uh, as we are giving up sweets and things as we go through Lent. What is it that our life truly consists of? Mm-hmm. And uh, um, Jesus' point to start here is that it's not just about their blood or extending their life on a little while longer. Mm-hmm. Repenting is being pulled out of yourself uh, away from death, which only happens by faith in God's word. Mm-hmm. God's word for us is life, mm-hmm. not our bank accounts, not our, um, uh, our deeds, not our feelings. And so to be turned away from all that is you and to hear only God's word is to no longer perish. This is why uh, you said this earlier, Lars, that you can't uh, do this yourself. (laughs) You can't actually turn to God yourself 
in the way that Christ is saying, uh, repent, uh, right. you can't, in this drastic uh, turn, because uh, you don't know where God is, really, <laughs> right. unless well, he speaks, unless he actually says something to you. It's yeah, and passive. everywhere we are, yeah, everywhere yeah. we are, we'll, we'll look around and uh, we'll find um, God's judgment yeah. upon us. Yeah. And that judgment isn't just, you know, um, thunderbolts flying down from the sky. Uh, that is that feeling, that experience of neediness uh, uh, within us, that, mm-hmm. that, that, uh, noticing that we can't help those around us uh, all the time, that we can't even help ourselves, right? And uh, actually, that's what we confess, that uh, we have uh, sinned against God, both in what we've done and what we've left undone, that we are bound into this sin mm-hmm. and we cannot free ourselves, that we have to be freed from from this. And that goes also for God's judgment. You can't uh, outthink God's judgment. You can't out perform the judgment of God. No. Uh, you're, something else is going to have to happen in order for the judgment that, that we're also afraid of um, to, be, um, to, to, to be given peace in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. So he uh, continues on. He ups the, the ante or he asks another sort of rhetorical question, not a rhetorical question, but he, asks, he just continues on the right. line of thinking. Of those 18 who were killed when the tower fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? He continues, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I mean, he, yeah. he does. It's, it's not just those Galileans who got in bad with, with Pilate. Yeah. It's also those Galileans who a tower fell on. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, what if it was uh, those fishermen who were out in the boat when the, stor- when the windstorm came up? Uh, what about those surfers who uh, uh, got stuck on the tsunami, right? Uh, some of these sufferings and tragedies, uh, you can't point to anything to say, yep, that was sin. Yeah, they deserved it. They deserved it. They shouldn't have been out there. Yeah, when towers fell on people, that's, they deserved it. They shouldn't have been there. Right. And that's, that's exactly <laughs> Jesus' point, right? Like... Uh, what about a car accident? Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes there's uh, somebody, we're always trying to find who's at fault for these things. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to place g- guilt and blame in order to get kind of financial restitution and to, and to make sure people are, are whole again, we say. Um, um. But it doesn't actually help, right? Just because you're guilty of something doesn't actually mean that you are a greater sinner than others. Right. It's a really interesting thing as people try to um, become the judge so mm-hmm. that they can either judge them themselves uh, as above or uh, judge those who they like as uh, above them so that they have some place to go, something to do, something more to handle for themselves. As soon as we fall into this, uh, this rhetorical idea that Jesus is attacking about who are the worst sinners, um, you're already making yourself into the judge mm-hmm. so that you can decide uh, by what standard we can we can judge or not be judged. Yeah. Because to pivot off of this, he then goes into a parable that we had briefly mentioned before, but he goes into the parable about a man who planted a fig tree in his vineyard. He came looking for fruit and he didn't find any fruit. How does this start to relate to what we just read above. Yeah. Jesus tells a parable that explicates exactly what he's been talking about in, uh, in, in his uh, conversations above. Um, Most people are going to hear this 
in a different way. They're going to hear this first part as judgment, right? Uh, oh, yes, uh, sinners died, uh, repent or else. Yeah. And then they're going to hear this parable um, that, that, uh, that uh, the gardener steps in to give and ask for an extra year. They're going to hear that as a very much more kind and gentle scripture. And they're going to say, oh, yeah, let's focus on the uh, on the on the fig tree, that kind little fig tree uh, that had a had a little buddy in the gardener, and uh, and was going to do something kind, and he just needed a little extra time. And the danger there is that that starts to sound like mercy after you have this harsh judgment out of chapter twelve and the beginning of chapter thirteen. But it's a parable, remember, and um, this fig tree that's planted in the in a in a vineyard. Sounds a lot like Isaiah chapter five, the the famous story of God planting a vineyard on a very fertile hill, where He dug the stones out of it and and mm-hmm. and and put a, a a wine vat in the middle and put a hedge around it and protected and cared for it, and He expected it to to yield a great harvest, a great harvest of grapes. But instead, it yielded wild grapes. And the the question that that hangs there is, uh, what more could God have done for His vineyard to make it produce well? Mm-hmm. Well, here's this little fig tree. It's planted in the vineyard. And uh, when, the, uh, the, when the vineyard owner who planted it comes looking for it, after three years, he finds no fruit on the tree. Um, the tree's worthless. Mm-hmm. It's done nothing. It's produced nothing. It's literally worthless. It's taking <laughs> resources and energy and time and space and producing absolutely nothing. It maybe makes some shade or it's... Uh, yeah, but what <laughs> could have made shade? some shade right here. Now, now Adam's... Uh, I'm now justifying Adam's tr- the fig tree. Justifying the fig tree. <laughs> He's trying to find a place. The judgment's coming near him. He doesn't want any part of that. Let's be kind to the fig tree, right? Um, and uh, so the vineyard owner says, cut it down. Yeah. Kill it. Yeah. Kill it. Yeah. End it. Uh, put it out of its misery, actually, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but the... Uh, it's not even doing the thing that fig trees should be doing. Right. Naturally. It's not even being a good... It's not even being a fig tree. <laughs> not even being a good fig tree. No. It's not even a fig tree. It's just a tree. <laughs> we don't want those. So cut it down, he says, but the, but the gardener wants to give it a little more time. Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so tending to it and being kind to it is now supposed to uh, to supposed to produce this fruit. Um, you know, you want to get get your guitar out and sing a lullaby to it and whisper sweet nothing. Oh into my the goodness! Fig, fig tree that's how my and, garden and speak to <laughs> it. <laughs> right. Oh, that's why you didn't have any fruit. And you know, if you <laughs> if you kidding. read this kind of allegorically, people then start to see say, see, this is what Jesus came to do. He came to give us just one more year. Yeah, one came more to put manure bit. on us. Right. Can he put manure on us? Can he just, you know, uh, uh, dig and fertilize us all around? And finally, if he does it just right, if he does it just right, then we will be uh, bearing fruit. Um, Which, of course, is to sidestep and ignore and and, uh, try to find a way around the judgment that Jesus says is coming, is Mm -hmm. evident. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is to say, oh, you know, the judgment doesn't have to come because we'll have just a a few more minutes to, to get it right. Um, but Jesus has just come out of this, right? People are dying. Um, and not, not because of their, uh, not as a direct result of their sin, but because death abounds in the world and the judgment of God is evident. And so what he's doing, what the parable is saying is not, hey, okay, you guys have a little bit more time. <laughs> because if, if it was, we would just be saying, 
the judgment is still hanging over you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's that's not mercy. Mm-hmm. That's not kindness to look at the at the kind at the tiny little tree and say, you can do it if you just try a little harder. You've got one year left. Because after all, who's gonna be the decider if that's good enough? Is one fig enough? Ten? Mm-hmm. What does he have to do to earn his life back? Yeah. He's as good as dead. He's as good as dead. Which he is actually what the judgment of God finally is, is that we have died. Mm-hmm. We are dead in ourselves and to repent is to be pulled out of ourselves and into Christ, into the word of God, where uh, there is no more perishing for us. Our bodies may die, but life abounds because the word of Christ is for us. In this parable, you're not going to be able to find uh, that kind little word. You're going to have to say something of Christ, not just of the fig tree, mm-hmm. in order to give people hope that the judgment of God has come already and that you have been saved by the word of God beyond. And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. As you heard Lars teach in this conversation, giving the fig tree another year to prove itself isn't mercy. It's just a prolonged death. That's because you're not going to find a kind word in judgment. In order to give people hope, you have to preach to them. The judgment of God has already come. Your salvation is here because it went through Jesus' death to forgive the sins of the world. That's what this season of Lent is all about. If you've ever found yourself wondering about a certain term or concept we discussed on Scripture First, we have dozens and dozens of free resources on our website to help you learn about Lutheranism and the freeing gospel of Jesus Christ saving us from our sins. We have videos and study guides from everything from the distinction between the law and the gospel to the meaning of baptism to breaking down Luther's key teachings such as the bound will and the freedom of a Christian. Go to lutherhouseofstudy.org to learn more. Luther House of Study's mission is strengthening Lutheran leadership and ministries for the proclamation of the gospel. We wouldn't be able to serve current and future ministry professionals, as well as members of the church, without the generous support of people just like you. If you or your congregation is interested in sponsoring an episode of Scripture First, please send our co-director, Sarah Stenson, an email at sstenson at augie.edu. That's S-S-T-E-N-S-O-N at A-U-G-I-E dot E-D-U. You can find her email in the show notes or find more information about supporting Luther House of Study at lutherhouseofstudy.org. Thanks again for joining us this week. Remember, God's judgment has already came. We'll see you next time on Scripture First.